0: If there's one place a Christian should visit, if you have the means, it's the Holy Land of Israel and Jordan. And Pastor Ralph Yankee, Arno, and me, Bill Bunkley, want to take you along with us to both countries on our summer 2023 pilgrimage. Come see the epicenter of the world in God's holy city, Jerusalem. Witness historical locations and places of future prophetic events. Your cost is just forty-five ninety-five double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi, motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A seven-hundred deposit secures your spot, with final payment not due until May the tenth, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our ten-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June twenty-fourth to July fourth, go to BillBunkley.com. That's BillBunkley.com. Or call me at 813-264-2977. That's 813-264-2977. Born to die that he might give
1: eternal life that I might live and turn my darkness All right, we're studying in the book of um, Acts, right? The book of Acts. Y'all remember that? Well, then, let's just go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. We're kind of riding along with the Apostle Paul. We're on a missionary journey, seeing what it's like. If you want to know what Christ meant when he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel, well, that's what the book of Acts is about. The book of Acts is a book of action. It's them fulfilling what God said do. So that's just what they do. If you want to know what is serving the Lord like, well, this is what serving the Lord is. And uh, they were told to preach the gospel, and they weren't told everybody's going to believe it. But uh, they still had the responsibility. Yesterday, my glass, my headlights, you know, they get that stuff on them, and then you can't hardly see so Benny contacted this guy, and he came out, and he was going to clean up the headlights. So he worked out there for about 45, 50 minutes. And then uh said he was done, so I went out and looked at him, and I'm sure, it looked pretty good. So I happened to ask him a little old question, because I had never seen him before. I bet you can't think of what I asked him. I don't even think you know what I asked him. I did. I asked him, I says, do you know where you're going when you die? He says, Oh, I'm, I'm pretty good. Now, I've heard people say they're good, but this guy was pretty good. Now, we know there's a perfect heaven, and there is no good heaven, but now he's got a, he was pretty good, so there must be a pretty good heaven that I didn't know about. So, anyway, I, I mentioned that to him, and he laughed, I laughed. But I also know that it's not a laughing matter. And so, because um, he thought, yeah, I'm going to heaven, because I'm pretty good, I'm pretty good. Well, I had to show him just how pretty bad he was. And that's not always the best thing. But anyway, he, he stood there and he listened, and I got a chance to explain the gospel. So when I got through, he said he trusts Christ. And he said he's going to come this morning. He's going to bring his wife and kid. So we'll, we'll wait and see. He's only about 30 years old, but seemed like a very sharp kid. And I, uh, even at 30 years old, I call them kids. <laughs> well, when you get almost 75, they are. But as you go through life, you know, be surprised. God will bring people into your life. But that is because you make the gospel clear, and people can understand it. But if you make it confusing, of course, it's going to be hard for people. Maybe it's just so hard to witness, that's because you're not making it clear, you're not make it simple. But here in the book of Acts, chapter thirteen, you will notice in verse fourteen. So now they um, they're on their way to Jerusalem. In verse fourteen, but when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia, and went unto the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. So it's just like us going to church on a, you know, on a Sunday. They went to the synagogue on a Saturday. So Paul, they still loved the the Jewish people. He wanted them to hear the Lord, the gospel, even though he was a preacher to the Gentiles. But he still would everywhere he went, he would go to the synagogue. And of course, it was their custom. They had certain people that would stand up and they would read. But then when they got through, anybody else got anything you want to say? It'd be like me getting through preaching this morning and say, anybody else got a word? And we'd go through three or four o'clock in the afternoon. How would you like that? Oh, you wouldn't like that. Oh, okay. We won't do that. I thought we'd try that once in a while and just see, you know. But look what he says in verse 14. It says that they went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, which is a Saturday, and sat down. Verse 15. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Go ahead. Give us a word. Got a testimony you want to give? And so Paul says, I need a week to prepare. I just, I'm not able to right now. uh, I'm too scared. I'm not used to speaking in public. And I have a hard time talking. And I don't remember anything anyway. No. You won't be surprised if I was asked this morning in church just pick out somebody. Come up here and give us a word of testimony. Now, do you believe most people would be just jumping at the chance or scared to death? Scared to death. They would. But now, why would you be so scared? Everyone should know how to give a word of testimony. Testimony is where you simply, you stand up and you say your name and uh, what you thought and what you found out and what you did. See how simple that is? What did you think you had to do to go to heaven? Well, what did you find out? Well, what did you do? Those three little things. It's so simple. And so um, you should be able to tell somebody, and if there's somebody listening to whatever your testimony is, They should know how to get saved because what you said, because whatever you said about what you thought is probably what they were thinking. But it ought to deal with. I thought I had to earn my way to heaven because nobody is born into this world thinking it's a free gift and I don't have to do anything. Everybody thinks you got to do something. Whatever the religion is, you got to do something. So you already know that. So you, you tell them that because that fits right into their narrative also where they are. And a lost man ought to know, well, what did you do? Well, I heard the gospel. Well, what was that? Well, that Christ down on the cross paid for all my sins. And so you go through and you explain that. Well, what did you do about it? Well, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I know I have eternal life. I know I'm going to heaven when I die. And then you can quote your favorite verse, see John 3, 16, or Ephesians two eighty nine, or 1 John 5, 10, and quote a verse. You're done. It didn't take you, many. what, two minutes? Three minutes? Everybody should be able to do that and on the spur of the moment at any given time. Should be right, and you say, "Well, what if you're scared to death? What are you scared of? Get right down to it. What are you scared of? People? What are they going to do? Are they going to shoot you, hang you? You know, I mean, what are they going to do? <laughs> Throw stones at you in church? Ain't not going to do anything to you? But you'd be surprised how many people will have that fear, and that fear just overwhelms them, and they can't do anything, and uh, they get a, a mental block. They can't think." <laughs> I remember the first time I ever gave my testimony in church. All of it happened to me. I trusted the Lord on a Friday night. Well, everything's going good so far, but I didn't know that Sunday morning I was going to go to church. So uh, anyway, they got ready, and Yankee goes to church, Northside Baptist Church. So I went to the Baptist church, but um, we sat on the back row, (laughs) closest to the door. I uh, I didn't want to go any closer. I said, right on the back row, right close to the door, because we had middle fuse, and there was an aisle there, and then some more fuse. So anyway, I'm sitting back there. I don't remember anything that was done. I don't remember one song. I don't remember anything the preacher said. I just know when the service was over with, Dr. Virgil Edwards came down, and my father-in-law was standing there with me, and a lot of people had left, but he kept hanging around for some reason, I don't know. So finally, he introduced me to the preacher and uh, says that Yankee just trusts Christ as Savior, Friday night. Well, wonderful. Are you want to have him here to give a testimony tonight? And he looked at my father-in-law. My father-in-law looked at me and he shook his head yes. I said, yeah. Okay. I'm giving a testimony tonight, church. On the way home, I asked him, I says, I know it's a stupid question. I says, what's a testimony? <laughs> What's the the testimony? Now, this is my first time to find out what it is. I've only been saved two days. So he told me what I had to do. Just simply stand up, say your name. You trusted Christ as Savior. You want him to pray for you and sit down. I said, that's all. I said, that's all you got to do. So while they were fixing something to eat, I sat in the living room on the couch. I'd stand up. My name is Rob Parnell. I trusted Christ as Savior. I want you to pray for me and sit down. I had it down. But I practiced all afternoon. I'm ready. Got to the church, sat on the back row again. The choir finished, and they went down. And then the preacher, God bless him, he said, we have a young man here tonight wants to give a word of testimony. His name is Brother Arnold. I didn't know I was a brother. <laughs> I didn't know I was his brother anyway. He said, Brother Arnold, why don't you come on down here to the front, so, and give your word of testimony. I looked over at my father-in-law and I said, I ain't going down there. I mean, it's in church. Everybody whole church turned around there to see who this young man was. I was only 18 years old. I didn't go to church. I said my father-in-law and says, I'm not going down there. He said, Yes, you are. I said, No, I'm not. And so my wife, she's sitting there beside me. God bless Betty's sharp pointed elbow, right between the fourth and the fifth rib. <laughs> oh, wham. Ooh! Say go. I said, yes, there is. I got up, and I went down the aisle. And it was about a half mile long. And uh, there was only about 50 people there that night. But when I got down there to the front, I turned around and looked. There was about 500 now. And I saw those people. And then I got ready to give my testimony. And he says, Brother Arnold, why don't you come up here on the platform and speak through the microphone so everyone can hear you real loud and clear. <laughs> so God bless you, too. Uh, anyway, I came up on the platform. And I stood out there and I looked. There's about 5,000 there now. And I saw all these people. And would you believe, I could not remember my name. I could not remember my name. I couldn't remember what in the world I was supposed to have. I only had those simple little things. Uh, two sentences and I had been done. But I don't remember anything. And all I know is they said I started talking. I don't remember one word that I said. I don't remember how I started. I don't even know how I ended. But when it was all over with, I spoke for 20 minutes, they told me. And I have no clue what I said. I wish they had recorded it. I'd love to have known what I said. Because there was no preparation in that. I was totally in a state of shock. I was overcome with fear. Anyway, I got down to preach. preacher had everybody come by and shake my hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, God bless you. Wore out my arm. Everybody had to come by. The whole church had to come by and shake my hand. But that was my first time. But you have to have a first time. And a lot of people, they didn't want to have that first time. They're scared. Well, if it hadn't been for being put on the spot, I probably wouldn't have done a lot of things. Now, they finally got me into the choir. And I like I like to sing a little bit, but I you know I have a voice like a potato grater, you know. But anyway, I got to go into the choir and another young man had gotten into the choir and he trusted the Lord about the same time that I did. His name was John Freeman. John Freeman. So me and John was sitting in the choir. Yeah, no bigger than this, just like this. And so we're sitting beside each other. And he leaned over and he told me, he says Yankee. I said, yeah. He said, I'm going to do it. I said, what you going to do? He says, I'm gonna give my first amen in church. This is this is a big moment. I says, You're you're gonna do what? He says, I'm gonna give my first amen. I says, Man, I'm rooting for you. Because this is a great time. I mean, I mean, because a lot of time when the preacher he gets to preaching. And uh, you know, he when he's on a high fever pitch, you know, and there's always one of the deacons over there will always say, amen, brother. And then they're Settle down for a little while, and after a while, there'll be another, amen, glory, amen. And then next while, there'll be about four or five of them hollering. And so that's just like saying, sick him to a bulldog so the preacher really gets going in. So he's, uh, he's running across the thing, he's loosening his tie, and he's sweating like crazy, you know, and he's really pouring it out there. And, and you just keep working that crowd. And so me and John knew that one of these days, we're going to have to do our first one. And you got to do it in church so you've got to wait for the right time. <laughs> it was so funny. I'm sitting in the choir. And uh, so he says, I'm getting ready. But you have to wait until the right time. till the preacher is on Sunday morning. You have to wait until the preacher gets it a right pitch. You know, you just don't say. And there's people that are going to go to hell. Amen, brother. Well, you don't say amen to that. You know, so you've got to wait till he says something that's good and right. And then you shout the amen. So he <laughs> he moved on to the other chair. He says, getting ready. Oh, I was rooting for him because this is a big moment in his life. He's going to say his first amen in church. You know, and that's a scary thing. So he got something in the chair and the preacher got to going. And he, he was getting really, you know, down in the pool. And, and all of a sudden, so he went. Oh, he was breathing heavy. He couldn't hardly say. He had, he had gotten so tense, so scared, His, everything about him, tense stuff, he came out sounded like some woman that she would stepped on her toe. And it was so funny that people, they couldn't, they couldn't hold back. They laughed. They laughed. They, it was so funny. I'm sitting right beside him. I felt so sorry for him. We both wanted to sink under because everybody's looking back at him, and I'm sitting right beside him, you know. And, uh, I don't know the guy, <laughs> but he, you had to do that first one. I'm still waiting on mine yet. I haven't done my first one yet. But um, it's always a, a scary thing whenever you, you know you you got to do it, and just like praying in church. Now the only prayer that I knew, I mean really memorized, was uh, when I was just a little kid. We was at this person's house, and somebody said somebody needs to say grace, so I said grace. But that wasn't what they wanted. They wanted somebody to say grace. But I didn't know that. I didn't know what they were going to They said, we can't eat until we say grace. It's a grace. I want them ready to eat. And um, someone said, no, prayer. And so my cousin, uh, she was about a year younger than me. She said, I know a prayer. I said, All right, go ahead. Uh, and it went along the lines of, uh, amen, John Ben, shot a rooster, killed a hen. Chicken died, the rooster cried, Nature satisfied. Amen. And that was the only prayer that I knew. But I, I learned another one that went, as I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. You ever heard that one? If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now I used to say that and I'd get beside my bed before the brothers and sisters said you no. Know, and I would I would say my prayer. But I didn't try to say it out loud, you know, just not say it. Well, I was about nineteen years old and me and Betty was gonna have to move down to Macon, Georgia. Well, down in Macon, Georgia, there was a preacher, and uh, his name was Brother Sheehan. And he had a church, Mikado Baptist Church. Well, he was a friend of Virgil Edwards up there in Northside, where I was in Athens. So he told him that I was coming down there and uh, kind of take me under his wing and bring me along, you know. So Virgil told me that. He said, so you get out in there, you see this uh, the preacher. So me and Betty, we got there on a Wednesday night. So on a Wednesday night, we walk in, but was just a little bit late getting there. And so this deacon came up to us and gave us a visitor's card. So Betty filled it out right quick and gave it to him. And that's the last I thought about it. So um, evidently, he had gone down there and given it to the preacher. Well, they finished doing some singing. And it was a, it was a big church. And they did have about four or 500 people there on a Wednesday night. And so the preacher's up there and he says, uh, we're going to pray for the missionaries tonight. Now, i have to be honest you, I didn't even know what a missionary was. We're going to pray for a missionary. I don't know what a missionary is. I don't even know what they look like. So anyway, he says, we're going to have blah, blah, blah from over here in this section come up here and open in prayer. And then we're going to have blah, 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 blah from over here in this section come up here and, and uh, lead us in prayer. And uh, we have um, a brother, Ralph Arnold, who's visiting with us tonight for the first time from Athens, Georgia. And uh, we're going to ask him if he'll close in prayer. I'm sitting on the back row, again, the back row, with Betty. And I says, honey, did he just say my name? She says, yes. I says, what am I supposed to do? She says, you're supposed to go down there and close in prayer. I says, I don't know how to pray. I never prayed. In public, never prayed. (laughs) I didn't pray hardly at all. Except, you know, sometimes in my own mind, I'd talk to the Lord, but uh, this isn't the same. And so, I says, honey, I can't go. She says, you got to. I says, I'm not going down there. So the other two guys, they got up and they came on down to the thing. And everybody turned around and said, where the third guy was. Well, I'm still sitting there. <laughs> but he says, Zink, you've got to get in. I said, I'm not going down there, honey. I don't know what to do. And she says, you've got to go. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go in. Here. here comes that elbow again. <laughs> Wham! Well, anyway, I got up and came down the aisle. It was about a mile long. That was the longest aisle I've ever walked in my life. So when I got up there, the preacher went over there by the piano. And this other guy, he sat down. And then there was this other one that was gonna lead off in prayer. Well, I went over there and sat down where the preacher had sat, you know, in this there. So I'm I'm sitting there and I'm praying, all right. Lord, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? I didn't know what to do. But this here guy, he came up here and he grabbed a hold of the horns of the altar. <laughs> He grabbed a hold of both sides of that podium. Oh, God. And he went ahead and he bragged. He said things about God. I didn't know that was, he was like that. Almighty oh, God. And he called him. I mean, he scared me to death. And he prayed. And all of a sudden, I heard people all over the audience. go, Amen, amen. Mm, yes. Mm, yes, amen, glory. All over the place. And then when he finished praying, he said, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I thought he did it twice. Am I supposed to do it? amen, amen, and amen? How many times am I supposed to say amen? I don't know. My first time. <laughs> I never heard anybody do this. I, didn't, I still didn't even know what a missionary was. And I'm supposed to be praying for missionaries. I don't know what they are. I don't know what they look like. I don't know if they were from Mars or, <laughs> or You know, little strange people. Anyway, I'm, I'm sitting up there, and I'm praying, Lord, Because the other guy got up there and he started praying. I said, Lord, I'm running out of time. (laughs) You gotta speak to me and you gotta do it quickly. And I thought, there's a story in the Bible, and I remember Betty's dad telling me about Samuel, how that the Lord called his name. Samuel. Samuel. He got it running to Eli. He said, Did you call me? He said, I didn't call you. So he went back in there. Samuel, he got it running back to Eli. He said, I didn't call you. He says, the next time, just say, here am I, Lord. And I said, Lord, if you can do that for Samuel, you can do that for me. I want you to speak to me. Tell me what to do. Because <laughs> I knew it. As I said up there, as I lay me down to sleep, we're not going to bed, so that won't work. And the other one was, Lord, look down to that little crack and bless us while we eat our snack. That was, well, we weren't eating. Well, I didn't know no other prayer. So I was... Kind of beside myself, so I sat up there and I said, "Lord, speak to me." And you won't believe this. Now this is the truth. I wouldn't lie to you for anything in the world. I heard my name as clear as a bell, Ralph, Ralph, and I thought, "He's doing it. He's doing it. God's talking to me." Ralph. I thought, "Boy, it sounds so real." <laughs> It was real alright. I looked up. I didn't know the other guy that was praying had already finished and sat down. And the preacher was over there going, Ralph. <laughs> I looked over at him. I jumped up and I headed toward the microphone. And when I got up to the microphone, I still had my Bible in my hand. And it was a little bitty Bible that I stole from Betty. And I had that little Bible in my hand. And I walked up and I said, Lord, thank you for the word. Amen. I don't know what else I said, but I prayed longer than all of them both put together. And I have no recollection on one word that I said. And when it was all over with, the preacher had me stand down there and here they come again and shake my hand. God bless you. We're so glad to have you here tonight. Now, that's three things scared me to death. But if they had not been forced upon me, I probably, I don't know if I ever would have done it. But I feel like, well, if I did it that first time, but I wish I could have remembered something that I said. But no. So when you get a chance, you just take advantage of it and go with it. And if you blunder through it, a poor presentation is better than none. And the last thing I wanted was for the Lord to think that I'm ashamed of him. I'm ashamed to talk about the Lord because I'm so afraid. So anyway, those are my opening remarks. Now I go back to the book of Acts in chapter 13. In verse 16, he says, Then Paul stood up and beckoned with his hand and said, Get Lynn to speak. And <laughs> No, he went ahead and did it himself. He says, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. In other words, I got something to say. I do have something to say. Do you realize he just gave them an education in Old Testament history? He went through and laid out some things and explained some things to them. You know, things that they already had heard, but never put together. You see, they had heard about the Messiah and all these things, but he put it together for them. And believe it or not, he was very well received. So notice, now this didn't happen all the time. Stephen tried that in chapter 7 and they stoned him to death. And so he says here in verse 17, the God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. See how far he went back? And with a high arm brought he them out of it. And about the time of 40 years. Now you'll Notice that the word, the number 40 is used an awful lot. Remember, Moses was 40 years in Egypt. And then he was 40 years in the wilderness. And then he just happened to be 40 years, I should say, on the backside of the desert and in the wilderness for 40 years. So there's three 40s right there. Israel was in the wilderness for those 40 years. But now what I want you to see is this. He says in verse 18, And about the time of forty years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. So who made the heavens and the earth? Oh, God. Well, can't he decide who lives where? That's what he did. But you see, the Canaanites were already in the land. And God was going to judge them, but uh, there's a reason why he didn't at the time. I want you to see this. hold your place here, but look there in the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis chapter fifteen Genesis and chapter fifteen he had made some promises to um to Abraham and he took him out one night and told him, says, look up there at the stars, count the stars. One, two, three, no, he said there was too many, can't count them all. So he says there in verse 5, and he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven, count the stars, tell the stars, if thou be able to number them, and he says unto him, so shall thy seed be. Now here's he's talking to an old man. In verse 6, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. So shall thy seed be. He also understood, because God had told him, that the Messiah, the seed, is coming through his line. He had told him this. And then he makes a statement in verse 13, and he said unto Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. Now, did God already tell Abraham that his seed was going down into another country, and they'll be there for four hundred years? You know, four hundred years is a long time. America is only half this old. A little over half this old. Another 150 years, and we'll be that old. And look how long a time that is. But also notice this. He says in verse 14, And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterwards shall they come out with great substance. That's a promise. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age.
0: Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Amazing. Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers Amazing. straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 Westwaters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com.